0: listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to episode 42, Crafting Unique Villains. I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Hope Ann.
1: I'm Josiah DeGraff.
0: And I'm Gabrielle Pollock. And today we're talking about villains because somehow we haven't covered them yet on the podcast. I can't believe that, honestly. So we definitely have to fix that. But before we get into that, a quick message to say that this episode is sponsored by the School of Kingdom Writers, a full-time training program for Christian writers who are serious about creating amazing media and reaching large audiences with their work. Aspiring novelists are encouraged to apply. Learn more and join the movement at SOKW.org or through the link in this episode's show notes. And stay tuned to hear from Brad Pocket, director of the School of Kingdom Writers, in this episode's midpoint break. Okay, back to today. We're all about villains this episode. Specifically, we're going to talk about how you can craft unique villains that are interesting and memorable and can go down in a reader's hall of fame or at least stand clear in their memory. Let's start off with some examples from each of you panelists. What are some of the most unique villains that stand out in your mind from stories you've read?
2: One villain that I absolutely love at the moment, even though I'm only, it's not actually not from a book, it's from a TV show, um, Avatar The Last Airbender, and the Prince Zuko character is like my favorite and he's great. And I have only watched the first season, so like no spoilers. And also, I, I just know like how his arc has progressed so far and you can just understand him. Also, just him coupled with his
3: uncle and it's a hysterical Perry. Yeah, two things about that. I love that character. You were saying that he made a really great villain and that you could understand him. I think when you make a villain that becomes a villain out of a relationship that they had with someone else, that someone else kind of created them in a way, they become a little more understanding. It's not that you want to excuse them because, oh no, they have a sad backstory, but because you can actually see how his attitudes and his anger is passed down through his family line. And I think another reason why, another reason why people like Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender is because of his relationship with his uncle. He's very... He's not entirely loving, but because someone loves him, he is seen as perhaps even a little redeemable. Another favorite uh, villain of mine
2: is not from a published book yet. It will be eventually. It's my friend's book. His name is um, Ed Still. I think that's how you say it. But anyway, he's like stepbrother to the main character, and he's a terrible person, and he's really, really bad and mean, but also it's terrible because you'll see some scenes from his point of view and you will feel so bad for him because he's such a broken character. And all he wants is a little bit of love and attention. And he would even just take attention, even if it was abuse, but he doesn't even get that. He's just ignored. And so you kind of feel bad for him, but then he goes and he does these terrible things to the main character. Who's just trying to help everybody and you hate him. But then you see his point of view again and you're like, oh, you you poor thing. And so it's so much, it's such a great uh, character because you understand him, even though you very much don't agree with him and you know he's terrible. But yeah, that is, I shouldn't say one of my favorite villains, but one of the most distinctive villains that I've currently read.
3: I also have villains from films and I can't actually name them, but there's some of my favorite. It's like a type that I like. So the characters in a BBC film called An Inspector Calls, they're actually the protagonists, the mother and father, and then pretty much the entire family of Knives Out, which is a murder mystery. And so I really like them because they're just... Actually, no, I don't like them. I don't like them at all. But they make very distinct villains because they don't see any of their actions as evil. Instead, they kind of reason their evil actions into something good. Like, they won't let themselves understand themselves they're just like no no we are completely justified in being mean to everyone and i just love it because you as a reader can see it you as a viewer can see it but you can also see how you might relate to them in a small way because i think one of the most relatable things about a villain is how they rationalize their actions.
1: yeah yeah i'm gonna book the trend here and choose a, an actual published book here <laughs> for my villain choice um and after try look it up because I, I i'm horrid with names even with with villains who are quite me- memorable the the character i was thinking of was the character of inan um from the legacy of orisha series by tomi adayemi and um some readers may uh balk at me labeling him as the the villain because he's th- there's a sense in which he's almost a protagonist of, of his own story but i'm going to Label him as a villain because I think he's he's serving that role in the context of the story and he has enough issues that even if he's he has more good points and more tragic motivations than other villains um i'm going to still label him as a villain for the context of this discussion but one of the reasons why he's so memorable to me is because he's it he feels like a villain that's very unpredictable in, in a good human sort of way and, and that you're never quite sure you know, is he going to turn to you know, is he going to make the the right decision or not because he's he's very conflicted And because he's conflicted, he makes a number of surprising character decisions. And I think it's those surprising character decisions that really flesh him out to be a very realistic and intriguing villain for the story. Um, You know, I think this is one of the reasons why, you know, while I know he's a bit divisive, I think a number of people really liked Kylo Ren as a villain in Star Wars. Um, my issues with how the the new sequel trilogy ended aside, one of the reasons that he was memorable to a lot of people is the fact that you weren't completely sure what he was going to make. And, and I think you know that aspect of unpredictability in a villain because they're human, and like any humans, they make decisions that are sometimes surprising. Um, you know, makes both Ren and also you know Inan uh, from the Children of Oshira series to be rather memorable villains for me.
0: Shifting the question to you guys more personally, what do each of you do in your writing to make your villains unique and interesting? What are the key ingredients to building that memorable character?
1: In some ways, in my mind, it comes down to doing the same things with them as you do with protagonists. And what's one of the best ways to make a protagonist interesting? Well, you give them an internal conflict and you give them different values that compete with each other. So they can't do both of those things at the same time. And at least for me, I find that the villains that stand out the most for me are are villains who have that kind of internal dynamic where they are trying to pursue multiple things, and they can't obtain it all at once. And when villains are doing that, they become a lot more interesting because they're no no longer just a one-note, I just want to get revenge on the protagonist – Or I just want to make their life miserable or something else because it's clear that they have goals of their own that conflict as any other humans do, which forces them to make interesting choices. I'm just a big fan in general that stories become more powerful the more interesting choices you force different characters to make. Um, And so that's one of the things I try to apply to the villains of my own writing um, when I'm trying to craft them.
2: For me, I tend to, like Josiah said, create my villains like any other character, partly because of just the type of stories I write, maybe partly because of my personality and I do this with everything, I don't know. I like going really deep into the characters and just asking why about all kinds of things. And I'll do this to main characters and protagonists and all that as well, but especially villains and digging as deep down into their backstory into their personality why do they want this why are they trying to get this what is the point how are they viewing the world what is in their mind and I keep digging as deep down as I can to their motivations to the events that triggered those or the relationships or the people sometimes I'll even write up uh, like snippets of their past depending on how much i know and how much i'm figuring out and in the end it it comes down to making them human and figuring out why they're doing what they're doing why they believe they're right and that's honestly generally enough it, it it makes them a strong character is what happens which is what you want
3: man you guys have some really smart answers i should be taking notes oh goodness i guess i second everyone on that when i create villains usually I like to start with my protagonist because usually I like villains who are similar to some ways as my protagonist. I cast my villains kind of as dark mirrors of what my protagonist could be if she chose the wrong path. So that's kind of where I like to start if I started there and then added some of what Hope and Josiah said about just making them human, making them conflicted. I think that would churn out a really good villain. You guys have some good advice.
1: Gabby, I know you've written before about the importance of villains having justifications as well as motives, and that seems to me to be something that's rather relevant to this discussion. Do you want to unpack that 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 distinction more for our listeners and explain why that's important and how that might connect to this topic?
3: Ooh, yes, I love this topic so much because again, it connects to my favorite slash most abhorrent villains that I like to see in what I watch or read. Villains, obviously, like anyone else, they have consciences. And consciences are these little things inside your head that say, "Mm, maybe you shouldn't kill that person, or maybe that was the wrong thing to do. And villains, like everybody else, need a way to silence that so they can get on with their lives and wreck evil on the world. That is where their rationale comes in. So when they do something wrong, their conscience is like, you know what, that's not great. Then they have to justify, they have to tell their conscience why they're right. And so this kind of takes on a couple common casts, common trends in villains and just people in general. One thing people like to do is they like to demonize the opposition. So in order to make it easier for them to steal or rob or hurt other people, they like to say that that person is a lesser being than themselves. They might base this rationale off maybe their race, their gender, where they were born, who they are, how they act. Whatever it is, they like to believe the lie that they are above everybody else and therefore are justified in their actions. Another thing villains will do is say that, you know what, maybe this isn't a good thing, but you know what, the end is a good thing, so it justifies it. A.K.A. ends justify the means. So we can see this in our lovely, favorite Marvel villain, Thanos. He's like, you know, killing a lot of people, including my daughter, really isn't great. But you know what? The end is worth it, because that means everyone will eventually have happy lives because I am committing this terrible deed. Finally, the last tactic that villains like to use is denying responsibility. So this is a kind of common in more passive villains, I guess you could say. It's also present in an inspector calls, which we talked about a little bit before. So these characters will say, Oh, I guess I could have helped, or maybe I should have. But you know what? That was technically someone else's role. Someone else should have helped that person, or someone else should have stepped in. This is actually a very weird social phenomenon that happens a lot in real life. If you're in a crowd and someone needs help, It's sometimes harder for a person to step out and take responsibility because they think, you know what, someone else in the crowd should do something and I should. And I think that is all I have. Yeah, justification is a really powerful tool in making your villain look human because it's what all humans do. That is
0: some awesome advice. And for those of you listening, there will be a link to the article Gabby is referencing in this episode's show notes. It's titled, Why Realistic Motives Alone Don't Create Believable Villains. And I highly recommend giving it a read since, well, because all of Gabby's tips are amazing. But also, she really dives into this topic and lays it out just super beautifully for everyone. Okay, we're going to take a quick pause, but we will be right back. Stay tuned. (laughs)
4: You know, in the first century, Jesus' teachings were shocking and offensive to most of his listeners. You our Christian media today is weak, cheesy, and watered down. My name is Brad Paquette. I'm the director of the School of Kingdom Writers. Now tell me, are you ready to break the mold and move beyond conventional Christian fiction? Are you ready to challenge American readers? If you are, then I want to work with you. The School of Kingdom Writers is now enrolling for our 2021 full-time class, which starts this September. You can learn more at sokw.org students. Now, if you're serious about writing professionally, this is the fastest track. You'll learn how to write stories that capture your reader's attention. You'll learn how to leverage the publishing and media markets, and you'll learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I think it's time for Christian media to get loud. I think it's time for you to get noticed. Check it out and join the movement at sokw.org.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to our discussion on villains. Y'all have shared some wonderful advice so far and made some great observations. Now I have an interesting question for you all to play with. Is it possible for a villain to be too unique?
1: One of the reasons why I think this is an interesting question to discuss is that while in some sense you could say, well, no character can be too unique because everyone needs to be unique because we're all individual human beings, you know, made in the image of God. And that's what we're trying to imitate in our stories. I think sometimes writers misunderstand what real uniqueness is, and sometimes being unique gets confused with just having a lot of quirks. And that there are certainly books I've read where the villain was just so quirky that it didn't really feel realistic anymore, just felt like the writer was just having fun with the villain by giving them all of these random character traits. Um, but it was in a way that I felt like had hurt the rest of the story because it meant that the, the villain wasn't... He, he didn't seem as realistic as he could be. And didn't seem as you know, fulfilling the story role. He, he could be just because it was, to an extent, where it was distracting Instead of revealing or in a way that deepened his character. So I'm interested to hear what the, the other panelists think of this. But I, I do think there is a danger in mistaking uniqueness for simple quirkiness and trying to throw so many things in the villain that he doesn't end up pulling off any of them in an effective way.
3: You know what? I was kind of thinking along the same lines as you were, Josiah. I think sometimes we can be afraid or pressured that we have to make this villain that everyone remembers and everyone's like, oh, that's a cool villain. And so, like Josiah said, we kind of try to shove quirks into him and it it doesn't really work. Because to me, a villain or an antagonist is kind of there to contrast the hero while the antagonist or the villain is the hero of his story. The story isn't about him, it's about a protagonist. And so the villain isn't necessarily there to be remembered. The villain won't be remembered by his quirks so much as he'll be remembered by what he means to the protagonist, because it is the protagonist's story, not his. And so what he does to the protagonist and what he costs the protagonist will really be what readers will remember more than any quirks that you can give him.
2: Yeah, honestly, that's kind of where I was going with the question too. You don't want to sacrifice an original character and a deep character just by throwing in all these things that you think will make a unique character. You do not want to create a unique character that is they're unique because of these are all the little, like Josiah said, these are all the quirks that they have or all the weird things they do. You want to create a character that is deeply. I would say relatable, but also these are villains, but also the best villains are relatable villains because you see them and you're like, wait, this is something I can understand. This is something I could see doing or other people doing or how my choices could lead here. And that's what makes them so powerful. Anyway, you do not want to sacrifice the depth of your character for some sort of flashy quirk, because that is just gonna create a shallow character as opposed to a truly deep and unique character.
0: Thank you guys for joining me on this episode, and thanks to all of you listeners who tuned in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clogston and Michael Stanton. Want to help us better guide and inspire Christian storytellers? Visit patreon.com slash to become a supporter and get access to exclusive story Embers updates, swag, and more. Finally, join me again on September 20th as Josiah, Deus, and I welcome Story Embers staff members Rose and Martin for a discussion on portraying doubting or deconstructing Christians in fiction, all on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast.